0: Hello, this is Matt Trueblood, this is Saturday, September 26th, gonna record a hopefully quick, certainly quicker than yesterday's podcast uh, about the action we saw Friday night in this very exciting final weekend of the regular season and looking ahead a little bit to what's gonna happen today and uh, then we'll, you know, settle in and enjoy another really meaningful day of baseball. Yesterday, a few things did get settled, and uh, some of them were really important to the teams in question, not only that they were settled, but they were that they were settled on the timeline on which they were settled. But also, there's a lot we still don't know, um, and some of the action on Friday only served to increase the uncertainty, which is fun. Um, let's start with what we do know. The Marlins, with an extra inning win at Yankee Stadium, clinched their spot in the postseason. It'll almost certainly be as the number six seed and the second overall, uh, the runner-up seed out of the National League East, for reasons we'll talk more about in a moment. But uh, what we know for sure is that they have clinched a playoff spot. So the Marlins are in. The Reds are in. They beat the Twins and got help when uh, the Marlins also got this help when the Phillies lost to the Rays. It became a battle of the bullpens in Tampa, at which point, of course, the Phillies were doomed. Uh, They are really on the ropes now. Their loss, plus the Brewers splitting their doubleheader with the Cardinals, meant that the Reds, with their win in Minnesota, clinched a playoff spot. Huge for Cincinnati. Huge. Because they were in this strange position going into the weekend where they were pretty well lined up to lock down a playoff spot. I mean, the fact that they were able to get it done Friday night shows you that they were in decent position, but they were facing a tough opponent. Uh, and if it came down to it on Sunday and they still hadn't clinched anything, there was going to be a very strong temptation and a very strong push from the man himself to pitch Trevor Bauer on short rest for the second time in a row, trying to lock up that spot. At which point, of course, Bauer would be burned for at least game one of the wild card series and no matter how much he wants to pitch on short rest i assume he would not have wanted to pitch sunday to get them in and then again on wednesday in game one um all that is out the window now the reds beat the twins uh tyler molly the starter for cincinnati beat jose berrios um And I want to talk more about the Twins tonight when I appear on Twins Daily's postgame pint. So you can watch out for that on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I will be tweeting out the link, if nothing else, and you can find us there. But I'll be talking a lot more about the Twins side of things, uh, including some crucial injuries they suffered last night um, at that point. So for now, let's just focus on the Reds clinching this playoff spot on Friday. Huge for them. It lets them go ahead with Luis Castillo for today's game, Saturday. You, you know, they'll keep him from going too crazy on pitch count, and he'll be ready for game two of the wildcard series. They don't have to run out Bauer uh, on Sunday, and I, I feel 100% certain that they won't. Um, they can hold him back and have him ready to pitch game one on actually a little bit of extended rest, which would be terrific. What it really opens up is now Sunday, the Reds can send Sonny Gray out there and ask him to give essentially a full start. He got back into the rotation after missing some time he he'd struggled and then he was shelved with a strain in his back and he came back Tuesday <clears throat> excuse me, came back Tuesday with five solid innings and eighty pitches in a win i think I think the Brewers ended up winning the game but it was a solid appearance from Gray and a good step, but he only went 80 pitches. Um, anytime you're dealing with a back, there's a you know, question of how much you're stretching out and how deep you want to push a guy. And clinching this spot gives the Reds the chance to send Gray out on Sunday, give him the full leash and say, you know, without abusing him or without tiring him out at all, you can make sure that he is fully ready and fully stretched out, fully ramped up, to be ready for his game 3 start if that's what it comes to in the wild card series. So, big deal for the Reds and bad news unfortunately, you know, from their perspective for the Braves who are still pretty well locked into the number 2 seed in the National League um and are very very likely to be facing the Reds in that series. They're going to get in the order that the Reds would most prefer, Bauer, Castillo, and Gray at full strength. Um uh, the loss for the Twins, along with the White Sox losing in Chicago and Cleveland coming back with yet another walk off victory, this time over the Pirates, tightens up the AL Central. And, you know, because the White Sox lost, the Twins are by no means in trouble at this point. Um, they're still in control of their destiny in terms of winning the American League Central and pretty well positioned to do it. But it now looks like the avenue through which that might happen could be a uh could be a three-team tie you know we we get to the point where it's uh the Indians catching the Twins and the White Sox over these they've already caught the White Sox they're now tied with Chicago and because Cleveland holds the tiebreaker over them right now they would be the four seed playing the Yankees and having home field advantage for that series the White Sox uh have fallen all the way to the seven seed and it doesn't necessarily look like they're going to climb out of it but we'll have to see what happens over the next couple of days and the twins you know there's a little bit less desperation on the other side now that Cincinnati's clinched so they have good reason to hope that they can win at least one of these next two to secure their spot as the American League Central champions so let's switch lanes back to the Phillies um, because things are pretty bleak there but it's not over. Uh it's it's interesting at this point. You know, I said on yesterday's podcast that the Rays pretty well have the number 1 seed in the American League locked up. That's still not technically true even though they won last night, but it feels virtually inevitable. Um and so starting with that premise again and noting that the Rays have certainly gone out of their way to line up their rotation for the wild card series that starts tuesday you're not going to see any of their best arms pushed in any way over these next two games meanwhile in an attempt to save their season the phillies will go zach wheeler aaron nola on saturday and sunday so in that way there is still this this path right um their bullpen is just a tire fire it's clear that nothing they're trying is is working nothing's going to suddenly start working you just hope Joe Girardi has the good sense to lean as hard on those starters as possible, and maybe the Rays aren't going to be pushing as hard as they might be, so the those starters could just dominate a lineup that has a couple of guys resting. That's the path, I think, for the Phillies to somehow scrape back into this. The Giants had their chance to really throw a knockout punch to the Phillies. Not directly, of course, but... Um, since Philly lost and the Giants won the first game of their doubleheader against the Padres, they also took a late lead in game two of that doubleheader when uh, they put together a rally and Wilmer Flores hit a go-ahead home run against the previously unscored-upon Drew Pomerantz. Um And that illustrates what makes the Giants so interesting, so fun, uh, maybe so dangerous, They've got this lineup that's a it's a lot better than you think in a lot of unusual, but not totally fluky ways. Talked a little bit about that yesterday, too. Um, but then at the end of the game, you saw what makes it so hard to take the Giants seriously. Not only in this race for the actual playoff spot, but certainly if they make it as far as a series against, it would almost have to be the Dodgers. Sam Coonrod gives up a three-run walk-off home run to Trent Grisham. And just like that, the outcome is flipped. The Giants don't take a commanding lead in that race for the wild card. Uh, And at this point, in fact, you know, with two games left in the season, they hold a one-game lead over Milwaukee and a one-game lead over Philadelphia. Um, I'm not sure about Philadelphia and what their divisional record is, Frankly, I don't expect that particular one to come into play, even with Nola and Wheeler pitching these last two games for the Phils. But Milwaukee and the Giants hold identical 18 and 20 divisional records at this point. They're both playing divisional foes, these final two. So in any scenario in which the Brewers catch the Giants, whether it's by beating the Cardinals each of the next two days and the Giants splitting them with San Diego or if the Giants lose the next two to San Diego and the Brewers merely split with the Cardinals, the Brewers would not only tie the Giants but have the tiebreaker over them to to get into the playoffs. So uh, it's kind of tough for the Giants at this point. They need to take care of business. And on the plus side, I guess they, they face a Padres team that's not going to be straining itself too hard. Um... You know, and it'll be interesting too. The Padres are scheduled to send Zach Davies against the Giants today. But Davies might now, you know, in theory, I could see them pulling Davies back and making him the game one starter in the Wild Card Series. Because yesterday, not only was it announced that Mike Clevenger is dealing with an elbow impingement, leaving his status for the Wild Card Series up in the air. But then in his start in game two of the doubleheader, Denelson Lamette left with what's being called biceps tightness. So it's a very interesting situation that the Padres are in now. Here's the team that's built for the long run, but also they invested very heavily in this season at a time when all the, all the other teams were showing some ambivalence about what winning in this season would even mean or uh, didn't know how much to trust their own team composition so didn't maybe push all their chips in the Padres have right Um, and that's to their credit in a lot of ways and again in sort of a contrast with the Twins that maybe I'll tease out more on that uh, post game pint podcast appearance tonight um, they went and solved problems that hadn't yet arisen and it's paying off for them in certain ways down the stretch here um, at the trade deadline but now they have this situation where their top two starter starting pitchers are guys who are under control for them beyond this year, could be pivotal parts of their rotation. In any playoff run, these guys are vital, Clevenger and Lamette. but also they're vital to the future of the franchise as well. And you don't really want to be the team that's imperiling, you know, out of selfish, out of self interest, and also just. The right thing to do is not to necessarily risk them if they're pitching with arms that you think are close to breaking in a more serious way. Yet, if you don't, it's a tough, tough hill to climb to get you know much of anywhere, even with the very good offense and decent uh, relief depth that this roster has. So you, you throw all that into the mix, and Chris Paddock did start the other game on Friday. He could be the Game 1 starter, for the wild card series, if you choose to rest both Lemet and Clevenger, and at that point Davies could just start game two, so you probably keep him on schedule to face the Giants today. But if they decide because Paddock hasn't frankly been pitching all that well and didn't pitch all that well on Friday either, that you'd rather have Davies as your game one starter, that maybe they hold that guy back, and that gives the Giants a little clearer path to wins, to a win at least today, and. Certainly tomorrow, you figure the Padres are going to be at their foot as far from the gas pedal as possible, uh, just to get through that series unscathed to the greatest possible extent. It's a really interesting mismatch of motives there, and obviously, it's hard to predict how these games are going to unfold. And of course, then the, the big wild card, no pun intended, for the Giants becomes what the Brewers do. Because uh, if the Giants even if the Giants win both games, they don't have to worry about anything. But if they even split, then it comes down to does Milwaukee beat St. Louis over these next two days, and that series continues to just be fascinating. and the implications flowing out of everything that happens in that series are so huge. <laughs> the split in the doubleheader yesterday, coupled with the Cubs demolishing this free falling White Sox team has all but assured they just the magic number is down to one for the Cubs to be the National League Central champs. But the Cardinals are still in pretty strong um, playoff position. They have not technically clinched a playoff spot because they technically still have four games to play, but they are in a virtual tie with the Reds, who have clinched a, <laughs> clinched a playoff spot. And at this point, just one more win against the Brewers in these next two days would essentially assure them of of being in the playoffs somewhere. For the Brewers, you know, uh, getting through these two games and this doubleheader yesterday and even splitting wasn't a terrible outcome given that you had Brent Suter who has spent basically this whole season in the bullpen um, as your starter in game one and then Josh Lindblom who got blown up in game two. But they they suffered a huge loss the previous day when uh, Corbin Burns got injured. Not only did, did he not deliver the much-needed victory in the first game of that series, but uh, suffered an oblique strain, and his season is over now. So things are tough for the Brewers, and it's a really interesting matchup tonight because obviously both teams still very much need the win, and they have the really the ace of each pitching staff at this point going to the mound. It's Brandon Woodruff versus Adam Wainwright. Wainwright's been such an incredible story. I mean, the willingness to go so deep into games, the defiance of age, you know, father time where this guy had been. uh, He seemed to be almost toast a couple of years ago and had a good bounce back season last year and an even better one, albeit in this strange abbreviated sense this year. Mostly by being a true junk baller, leading with the curveball and letting everything else just fill in around that, but it's working, and he faces off against Brandon Woodruff, from whom the Brewers need so much now. Uh, you know, with Burns, it was okay. You've got the co aces. Now it's really Brandon Woodruff and what else when it comes to starting pitching. Of course, it won't matter unless they win at least one of these next two games, and really they desperately need to win both to position themselves well. Um, Woodruff is the guy that you'd want going to the hill in that situation, but they're facing, again, a very motivated Cardinals team with Adam Wainwright on the mound. So I think that's most of the really compelling things. Uh, You know, it was, for the Cubs, a, a real tone changer to not only beat the White Sox, but beat them handily. They got two home runs from Wilson Contreras, one from Javi Baez, one from Kyle Schwarber. Some of the guys whose bats have been so cold and just nightmarishly bad lately seem to be turning things around. Yu Darvish delivered one more dominant start in a season full of them. He and, actually it's Kyle Hendricks and he are the one, number one and number two starters in the Entire National League in innings pitched this year, which is not by accident. David Ross has written his starters so hard, just trying to keep from having to rely on that thin and sort of unpredictable bullpen. And it's worked. It's worked. The Cubs are essentially locked in as division champions now. Um, That was a big win for them. And now tonight, they'll face off against the White Sox and they'll send John Lester to the mound for his possibly his last regular season start as a cub but uh more interesting to me than than that possibility is this one the white Sox this year are 13 and 13 and zero, thirteen and zero when the opponent sends a left-handed starting pitcher to the mound uh maybe obviously but maybe less obviously than you thought that's never happened before no team's ever gone undefeated against left-handed starters it really hasn't come anywhere close to happening since World War II. Uh, There was a a fairly long stretch starting in the late 30s and going right through World War II where the Cincinnati Reds would just punish left-handed starters and it got to the point where teams almost never used left-handed starters against them. The 1939 Reds are the best team that I found and I Information could be incomplete here, but I think it's pretty reliable. Um the nineteen thirty nine Reds went sixteen and three against left handed starters. In forty one they went twelve and two. In forty two, just as partially as a demographic fluke of the makeup of the National League and its starting pitchers, partially because you just knew better than to start lefties against the Reds, they went one and one against left handed starters all year and 43 11 and 2 and 44 11 and 2. So there have been teams that have dominated lefty starters. Uh the 52 Dodgers went 16 and 5. The 1970 Reds, uh, obviously not any overlapping players or anything, but the first sort of team that earned the distinction the big red machine went 37 and 9 against lefties. Um uh, and notice, you know, the the 39 Reds, the 52 Dodgers, the 70 Reds. These were all pennant winners, Um, so it's interesting in that sort of vague, historical, fun fact way. Obviously, if this season had gone on 162 games, the White Sox may have won 13 straight games against left-handed starters at some point, but wouldn't have gone undefeated against them. Still, it'll be really interesting to see whether uh, they can finish this undefeated campaign against lefties by beating Leicester, and there's a lot on the line for them at this point. Um, you know They are locked into the playoffs, and at this point, it's very unlikely just because Cleveland has caught them and has the tiebreaker over them and is playing a weaker team these last couple of days and is doing so at home, and Cleveland just seems to have their mojo going right now. So it's unlikely that the White Sox will push past Cleveland and win the division as much as it looked all but assured that they would win the division like a week ago. Um, But still, I think there's a difference for them between being at home against a Yankees team that, I don't know, I I think I might be the low man, and this can be a topic for tomorrow's or Monday's podcast, but I might be the low man on the Yankees at this point heading into the playoffs. But to me, there's a big difference if you're the White Sox between playing the Yankees at home in a best-of-three or going to target field or even a progressive field for a best-of-three, I would like my chances better irregardless. Irregardless, what am I doing? Look, I'm very tired. Uh, Regardless of home field advantage concerns, I would feel a lot better if I were the White Sox about my best-of-three against the Yankees than against either Cleveland or Minnesota at this point in their ballpark with that small disadvantage built in seeing the way that they've played against those teams for most of this season. So it does make a difference. There's a lot on the line for those clubs over the next couple of days. Um, Cleveland, at this point, has to be feeling really good, even if they don't push past the Twins and they're the team hosting the Yankees um, as the four seed. That would be a fine position, I think, if you're Cleveland and getting to start... Shane Bieber against Garrett Cole, there's no real need to fear the, the ace factor there. You know, you get the better of that ace matchup. And, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that race ultimately unfolds. Um, I think those are the main things and, uh, it's, it's going to be a really fun Saturday of baseball between that Padres giants matchup, uh, and whether they do hold back Davies or, change his usage up in any way Um, the Cardinals Brewers showdown and then a couple of teams that will also see some pitchers who are going to be important to their playoff push Uh, you know the Yankees are starting Davey Garcia today I don't think he's likely to get a start in the wild card series given the way that Jay Happ has emerged recently Um, pitching really well but he's certainly going to be in the mix he's going to be a weapon out of the bullpen if nothing else and if they get as far as the division series he will be a starter so it'll be interesting to see how he does against I mean technically a playoff caliber team in the Marlins Um, a lot of those kind of interesting secondary things are going on today as well I'll be back with more tomorrow hopefully getting more and more brief with these at least for now Um, enjoy your Saturday